everybody. Welcome inside Bean, episode two. Uh, my name is Brandon Rosenthal. Alongside me is Jeff Frailer. Jeff, how are you, my brother? Good. How are you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. Um, it's been a month since we last met. Uh, we had pretty good um, feedback on episode one. So if you haven't heard that one, please go check out um, episode one. If you already subscribed, it's in your feed. Um, and in that month, we haven't met Jeff. Your state literally almost froze over. Oh, actually, it did freeze over. <laughs> it did, yeah. Um, so, I'm in Dallas. <laughs> yeah, um, and you actually got a very, um, very great colored jersey going on, which is, I guess, the color of ice um, and water, which is you've been looking at for the last three weeks. Um, right. Yeah, this is a cool jersey. Uh, 24, like the I don't, some alternate they never actually wore, but um, I got it for Christmas probably four or five years ago. It's like two sizes too big, so I don't wear it a lot, but I'm sitting down. It looks okay like right now. Otherwise, it's like down to my kneecaps. So I'll, I'll wear it right now. Yeah, it's very <laughs> reminiscent of the um, the classics they have going on right now. It's like blue. It has, the Lakers writing is in um, like baby blue. And it's, yeah, of course, yeah. uh, 24. I'm wearing a um, homage brand Lakers back-to-back championship. It's actually representing the 2009 and 2010 that is awesome. championship. Uh, I mean, it's two of my favorite Laker championships um, just because of where I was as a fan. Um, so that, I just I, I like this shirt a lot. Um, yeah, so, I like the hat you're wearing. I think I had the exact hat. Yeah, it's, hat a, it's, a hardwood, like... it's a hardwood classics hat, and it's um, yeah. it was beat up. Um, I wear it all the time. Uh, it just yeah. fits my head well. It's just I, I think I might be buried with it. It just fits my head <laughs> so well. Um, uh, so it looks really similar to a hat that I got for Christmas, like in fourth grade, fifth grade, and I still have it. And uh, my my mom actually dropped it back off at my house. Probably was oh, like no a couple way. months, a couple months ago. And I was I flipped it over and I forgot when I was like 11 that I had forged Kobe's signature on the inside of the bill to pass it off as like a Kobe signed item. Oh and man, it's a, it's a and I had no idea what his autograph looked like back then, so it just it looks terrible. Oh, was it, I was going to ask you if it was accurate, if it was close. No, not not even close. Yeah, yeah, but, uh, just my 11 year old handwriting signing yeah, Kobe. Can't Bryant. believe you didn't guess Kobe Bryant's signature at 11 yeah, years right. old. Yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty funny story, man. Um, all right, so in episode two, we have a doozy for you guys. We have um, the Blazers and Lakers, April 13th, 2004. Um, and if you're like, what game is that? It's the Kobe Bryant double buzzer beater game. So, you know, right. it. you know, it. everybody knows that game. So um, let's set, set the stage here and I'll give you all these links in the episode description. I'll give you the YouTube video where Jeff and I watched it, the box score. And then I found this really cool running diary that Mike Trudell wrote. Um, I think they revisited the game back in, um, I think. 2020. Um, so uh, that's pretty cool. I didn't get a chance to read it, but um, because I didn't want to spoil anything that we want to talk about, I didn't want to have Trudell's opinion coming into what, uh, you know, how we view this game. So, uh-huh. um, but it's just a cool little piece of content you can watch um, or read afterwards. So let's just set the stage for this game. Um, this was a final game of 2003, 2004 NBA season. Um, the Lakers were sitting at 55 and 26 coming into the game, but they needed a win in order to win the Pacific division. Um, they lost to the Kings in game 80. So it seemed like the Kings were going to win this thing. Um, and the T-Wolves have already wrapped up the number one seed, which seems like a fantasy now if you're a Timberwolves fan. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? um, so this was a battle for number two in the West. Um, the Spurs, even though they had a better record than the Lakers, they were the number three seed because back then only two divisions. So the winner of the division got the one and two seed. Um, so the Kings actually lost their final two games, leave the door wide open for the Lakers. So after they beat the Warriors... Um, I can't even remember who was on that Warriors team back then. Um, but uh, the, so That's after I, the Lakers beat the Warriors, right? Yeah, after the, Lakers, Lakers, after the Lakers beat the Warriors, correct. Um, oh, the, yeah, yeah. Both teams had 55 wins, the Lakers and the Kings. So with one game remaining for the Lakers, they traveled to Portland with a chance to win the Pacific Division outright. So I added this fun fact. Coming into the season, the Lakers over-under was 58.5, so didn't get that. So mm-hmm. if you bet the under in that time, smart. You're smart. Yeah. Um, and the Lakers championship odds in the preseason were plus 140. So, I mean, that's like as heavy favorite as you can get, you know, um, if <laughs> before the season starts to be almost minus, I mean, that's like, or almost <laughs> even, that's crazy. Um, uh-huh. And unfortunately we all know what happened in the finals, but, um, but this is not about that. <laughs> this, is, 
<laughs> I don't um, think I'll ever want to touch, touch an episode with that. Oh, man, that was such that's a... Just, just, hey, you know what's funny? This, the suggested video after watching this was game one of the finals. I'm like, no thanks, hard pass. Um, oh, yeah, right, yeah. Of that, yeah. With a picture of Lindsay Hunter smiling. I'm like, oh, no, yeah. I, don't, I definitely don't want to watch that. So uh-huh. let me give, let's give some info on the Blazers at the time so we can get a clear picture of what was happening. The Blazers were 41 and 40 heading into this game, but they were already out of the picture playoff-wise. The Nuggets had 43 wins. And I, you know, after when researching this, I had to add this because it was such a terrible thing to see. Despite losing and only scoring 67 points in the final game, the, the Nuggets only scored 67 points in their final game. They made the playoffs. I mean, that should almost <laughs> disqualify you for not even scoring 70 um, in uh-huh. four quarters. Uh, but that should that was the NBA back then, just grindy, slow, gross basketball. Um, so the Blazers had some players from the 2000 team, but after trading Rashid to the Hawks and he went to the Pistons, this is like a hodgepodge group of dudes that included Zebo or Zach Randolph, Darius Miles, Theo Ratliff, Damon Stoudemire, Sharif Abdul-Rahim, and mm-hmm. then everyone's favorite, Ruben, the Kobe Stopper Patterson. Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, maybe one day we'll actually get him. I don't want to talk too much. Uh, because it's, it's been a long time since I was an immature Laker fan, so. But I famously love that he called himself the Kobe stopper after when I think Kobe's average against him was like probably like 36 and a half. So yeah. Right. <laughs> great job. Least, yeah. Um, so Jeff, I wanted to ask you why this, what stuck out to this game for you? Why did this game stick out? Uh, so when you and I were discussing games, we want to do for this podcast, when you said this, like instantly a million memories kept coming, uh, like, you know, flooded back immediately. So I vividly remember this game, and but I did not watch it. I did not have cable like we talked about last episode. Mm-hmm. But this was such a huge game like you just touched on for playoff implications. So I, I was a junior in high school this season. Um, I remember like just refreshing NBA.com, like play-by-play this whole night, trying to see who was going to win, um, especially once the Kings lost and opened the door for the Lakers to potentially get the second seed. And even though I wanted them to get the second seed, a small part of me probably wanted them to lose and drop down to four. Mm. If they had, they would have played Dallas in that first round. And um, so, I, like I mentioned, I'm from Dallas, still live here. All my high school friends, diehard Mavs fans. It just would have been so much fun for us to go up against each other in the first round, four versus five. Lakers would have had home court. Um, and then the only time it's really happened in a time where I can remember is 2011 where the Mavs slept, swept the Lakers. So if this, and it, there we were so talk, many, we don't talk about that, Jeff. Yeah, we don't talk about that. But uh, in 2004, we were so close to the meeting Dallas. And in 2009, we were so close to the meeting Dallas and it's, and it, both those plans got squashed on the last game of the regular season, both years. So that's why this game really sticks out for me on top of the Kobe buzzer beaters, just being so, uh, focus on the result of this game and for what it meant for the Lakers, for Mavericks, and basically for the whole Western Conference that year. Who about playoff seating was just come, coming down to the final night. Yeah, I, I think when we think about this like season, we always like end with the, what happened in the finals and the mm-hmm. disappointment. But there's plenty of like m- amazing moments that got the Lakers to that point in the finals. Starting, we not. I don't want to say starting with this, but this was definitely one of the most influential moments of the season. You know, this and the point four shot. It's just so many things. The Lakers had to overcome a lot of obstacles, probably a lot of them internal, but they had to overcome a lot just to even get to the point where they can get back to the finals. Um, mm-hmm. And just to you know, um, like you said, last game of the season, chance to you know they played like crap. Um, Carmelo is finally healthy. Uh, and with a chance hurt, to, yeah. yeah. And they, yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah, and it's yeah. like he, and this was a chance to really, um, you know, put that statement like, Hey, we're playing good basketball. We're back. The playoffs start next week. We're rocking and rolling. Like this is, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. And then, then this is not that they, as it turns out, this game was a very ugly basketball game. But I didn't remember that. <laughs> you know, like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't remember how ugly it was. And I, I remember I, I know I watched it. Um, obviously, this game stuck out to me because of the, what happened at the end. Um, but also the Lakers never win in Portland. So yep. um, it, it's notorious, you know, especially in the 90s and 2000s. We just oh, and even now, like, you know, we all struggle. Yeah. You know, we, li- we literally beat Portland last night, but it was in L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, it was you know, we struggle against that team and especially in the Rose garden, the fans there bring it. Uh, they always are loud and crazy. 
and it, it's a very tough place to play. And it feels like everything always goes wrong for the Lakers in Portland. Mm-hmm. You know, completely agree. Yeah, uh, there's so many mostly regular season battles that really stick out of in the Rose Garden because for the most part, especially we're talking 2004, but several in the several seasons leading up to it. So the Lakers had met the Blazers in the playoffs in 97, 98, 2000, 2001, and 2002, won all of those series, including the last two where they swept them. So they had a lot of postseason success in the Rose Garden. But for whatever reason, like, uh, you know, you're probably you're put, putting money down on Portland at Portland during the regular season is probably a wise move when they're playing the Lakers. Yeah, you know, it, it, that's a very good point. And they mentioned on the broadcast and shout out to you for doing that research. Um that the postseason success for the Lakers was drastically different. You know, they just come in there and they kick their ass. Um, but in the regular season, yeah, it was always tough. And as we know, the regular season means a lot, you know, um, sometimes they poo-poo it and this game looked like a big poo-poo game, but <laughs> you know, it, it, it matters. And for reasons like that, like you say, literally who you play in the next round, whether you get two uh, games or two, you know, two potential game sevens at home versus one, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's huge in the playoffs. So, yeah. Um, what, anything else that stood out to you aside from, uh, the Kobe buzzer beaters? Um, I think before we get into a lot of specifics, so, you know, Shaq had a really good overall line, uh, 25, 14, five assists and four blocks. Um, they had just played the previous night for golden state. Like you mentioned, it didn't, maybe he was tired. It didn't seem like he, you know, had a lot in the motor for this game, but still put up such an incredible stat line, like basically from a, you know, the eye test looked like he was half-assing it and still put up that much in such an important game. So uh, just, you know, Shaq's overall talent. Um, We'll talk a lot. I think we'll actually talk a lot about Slava this game. He played a lot. He played 40 plus minutes, especially Mm -hmm. because Malone went out. Um, So there was a lot of Slava going on. Um, what others stuck out to this game, Steve Snapper Jones providing the commentary for Portland. Rest yeah. in peace. He died a couple of years ago. Mm. And um, seeing Frank Hamblin on the bench a lot was, stuck out. Uh, he, he had a lot of close-ups this game. So a lot of that stuck out for me, just a lot of nostalgia type stuff. Yeah, that it, that was definitely um, cool to see. And obviously some of the players, like it was cool to see Damon Stoudemire back doing his thing. Um, yeah. I've always been a big fan of Derek Anderson, and we, we talked about this in our pregame chat. He was ball in this game, especially in the fourth. He was always a, a Jordan. He was a Jordan athlete, so I always looked at the, what oh, shoes yeah. he was wearing, and like he always mm-hmm. had some team jo- jump mans that were really dope. Um, so I always liked him, and it, it's just crazy when I, you know, looking at when I'm researching, like, dang, this team was, you know, very weirdly constructed, and it's, you know. They, this Portland team, especially like it was at the end of the season, they already made their trades. Guys are coming in. They had Dan Dick out. Like I haven't heard that name. Yeah, in years, yeah, right. You know, like, um, you know, Darius miles looked okay. Travis Allah was a baby. Like, yeah, it, it, it was, it was cool to see all these like classic dudes. And, you know, I forgot the Lakers have like Brian cook. Um, uh-huh. but this, this game was a really short rotation game for the Lakers. Like Phil didn't play all of his dudes. It was a very, um, like some guys got some, some run, but, this was like, Hey, we're and especially in the second half. Um, yeah, 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 really yeah for, for yeah. sure. I, we are going to talk about Slava. Um, 100%. This might be just a Slava podcast, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the Santa Slava hour. Um, yeah. but you want to go into some memorable plays and we can start, we can go quarter by quarter. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. So memorable plays. Um, one was just in the first quarter, three nineteen. Uh, Devin George beats the shot clock with like an off balance rainbow three, which had no business going in, but he made that one. Um, let's see memorable. Okay. So that's it. Let's go over to you for memorable plays and maybe we'll have to edit some of this out, but, uh, so yeah, you may have been prepared more for memorable. No, plays no, no, it, it's fine. There's just, there wasn't like, I, like I told you, there wasn't much. And I don't think we should edit out because I think people need yeah. to understand how bad this game was to rewatch, uh, yeah. especially <laughs> in the first half. Like it was tough, man. Yeah. Um, the first memorable play I have wasn't even a Laker play. It was a Darius miles alley-oop. And I was like, it, it was cool okay. to see like D miles actually came out like aggressive. Yeah. Like, he made his first, he had like 10 points in the first quarter or first half. And um, it was, I was like, man, like, but, and, Miles did this and like, and if you watch Darius miles, like in, in the two thousands, he had these moments where you're like, this guy is going to be a star. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, Oh, 
never mind. He just vanishes. Like he just runs mm-hmm. around as a Jersey floating around the court. Yeah. Uh, and that's what made Kobe <laughs> great is that he did that every game, every day, all the time. Um, and mm-hmm. it just takes that consistency, but that always sets me for Darius miles. Um, and Shaq at six minutes, and 30 seconds had this insane monster dunk. I literally had to stop it and play it again because it was, it was one of those points. And I wrote this down in my notes that a, the crowd is booing Kobe loudly. Every oh yeah. Time he touches the ball. Boo, Very boo, lovely. boo. And then yeah. Kobe is gunning early and not mm-hmm. even looking to Shaq at all. He's because in the last game, remember I told you um, that it was weird to see that Kobe kind of floating around the perimeter. And then Shaq was like the guy in the post, like doing all the mm-hmm. stuff. This game, it was totally different. Kobe was the dude, like, I'm the guy in the triangle now. Give me the ball in the post. And Shaq was just kind of like catch the ball on the wing. And, just, yeah. and so um, Shaq finally got the ball in the paint. Gary Payton, I think, launched it in there. Shaq had deep position. And he just, like, destroyed Theo Ratliff. Oh, my God. It was yeah. – so six minutes, 30 seconds. It was – I have to put it up – I'll put it up on the social channels. It was such a monster dunk. Um, but yeah, as Kobe, far as Kobe concerned, there was not much, um, in the first, yeah, it's not in the quarter. first half. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like in the second quarter, even like I have like an outlaw putback slam, which was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then really I, I have Lakers look like shit looking like they don't care, but they play well enough to hang. Um, yeah. Gary Payton Malone could not buy a bucket at all. Yep. You know, and then in the second quarter, um, with 18 seconds left, Carmelo rolled his ankle. Mm-hmm. so there are your first half highlights <laughs> i have a couple more me. from this yeah <laughs> no, i have please, a couple please. more from this no, uh some notes from the second quarter what stuck me is just the lineup the lakers began this oh, second quarter with I, I so is brian yeah is brian cook slava mevodenko kareem rush Derek fisher luke walton was who they brought out in the second quarter and the announcers touching this early that the lakers didn't have a lot of production from the bench going on but um you know, it was funny just seeing Derek Fisher back in this particular season. So he had been the starter for a few years. They obviously signed Gary Gary Payton. Mm-hmm. Derek Fisher's reduced to a bench role. Um, and it was a, it sticks out for a couple of reasons that he did that. Um, so he – I'm sorry, my dog's like – I think he's having a nightmare in his sleep right next to me. So. <laughs> he's like, uh, Brian Cook. Oh, oh. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so going back to Derek Fisher, like I said, he's coming back to a bench or he's on a bench roll now, first time as a Laker, or first time in a while, I should say. His minutes were reduced from 34 to 21 a game. But most importantly, probably for him, this was a contract year. Mm-hmm. So he's he's going to be a free agent after this year. Uh, his minutes are drastically reduced. He's playing, you know, basically off Brian Cook and Slava now, but the majority of his minutes rather than Shaq. And you see it in the st- statistics. He, his uh, three-point percentage was reduced from 40% to 29% this year. He's not getting the same open looks. He's not playing as much. I can't imagine the frustration he was probably experiencing at that point, having um, his role reduced in a year where he's basically not only auditioning for the Lakers for a future contract, auditioning for the every other team in the NBA. So that's just something that – and you, you never heard him complain once, at least publicly the whole year. So ne- I think never. just uh, – yeah, it just goes to Derek Fisher's – character at least at this point i know some shady stuff happened later with like matt barnes and stuff but um yeah so Derek fisher uh you know never heard him complain once about his reduced role and it's just he was just such a professional yeah when significant others get involved they can get ugly we all know that um yeah. so uh, you know d fish and matt barnes great entertainment um, but yeah, yeah uh, it, this d fish is a high character dude like he was literally a starter for a championship team made huge shots um mm-hmm. and you know, I guess the karma worked out for him, right? Because he was in an, uh, a bad situation in Utah, and then you know he was able to weasel his way back to the Lakers. So it all worked right. out. Um, but yeah, one he, other thing for the oh, go ahead. He, he, you know, he he did a great job just kind of absorbing uh, Gary Payton, right? Um, who yeah, just, he never fit in with this, this squad. Like he, all he wanted to do was run and push the ball, and you could see it. Like every time he touched it, it was just like he's like, oh, I guess I just got to wait and run this offense. Like, yeah, but, yeah. What were you going to say? One other thing uh, for the second quarter, this is just a blazer that stuck out. 821, uh, Daniel Ferguson came in. I had no, like, especially this area, era, I know most of the names from other teams. This was a guy, when he came in on the TV, uh, I said, who? Like, who is this guy? I looked him up on Basketball Reference, played seven career games. This was one of them. But he came in and hit a three. So shout out to Ferguson. Wow. You know, it's funny. Is that he, you know, they 
the Blazers uh, clearly knew who he was because they were going to him on the bench as like bench reactions. So clearly he was like the bench reaction guy, right? Or maybe mm-hmm. playing, it was the G League available to, or the D League. I can't remember if it was at the moment. Yeah, but, I think it was, yeah. So, but yeah, I, I was like, is this like a comedian? Like, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> who is this guy? Um, yeah, I never heard of him as well. So um, shout mm-hmm. out, came in, knocked down a three and they were like, he can do this. I was like, cool. Um, yeah, good, there, good. there is one more thing in the second quarter that I wanted to bring up. It's possible most rewatchable segment. Maybe um, there was a segment uh, where it was a it started with a dick out three and then ended with an outlaw putback slam. So I'll bring it up in the rewatchable segments and mm-hmm. see if it even is worthy of it. Like I said, there was a, not a lot of uh, segments that were this game had a lot of fouls, turnovers, breaks. Uh, right. So it wasn't a smooth watch all the way through. Um, but let, let's let's get to the third. So Slava starts. Um, and, you know, he was all over the glass, especially in this quarter. Um, four offensive rebounds, six total rebounds. And I just want to say something about Slava. He's skilled. Like watching him yeah. in this game, like he is very skilled. And he was long and athletic, um, especially for being like an – Europe, a European white dude who are notoriously known for being slothy and just like, you know, straight just shooters. Uh, but this guy had like touch. Uh, he was off in this game. Like, yeah. I think if he played in this era, he could, he could maybe be like a, I don't want to say like a Sabonis type of dude, but with some consistency, I could see him being like the fourth or fifth best player on a pretty good team. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, like he no, played pretty I, good. I agree. Okay, yeah, he well. did. And he did. It's um, like you say, he didn't shoot well, but he was all over the glass. The Blazers were actively targeting him when he was whenever he was guarding Randolph. Yeah. Uh, he was trying to play bully ball. And, you know, it probably worked out more often than not, particularly in the second half for the Blazers. But um, you could tell Slava was trying. I mean, he was he was in there banging. Uh, he played 40 something minutes um, all over the place. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, and I, the announcers touched on it a few times too that, you know, his shot's off tonight, but he's battling. He's in the mix for every loose ball. He was crashing the offensive glass. He was setting screens. So, um, shout out to Slava again. We're, we always do that. We always want to shout out Slava. 100%. Stanislav all day, every day. And I know Chick, Chick Hernal used to call him Slava Meddevenko. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, good old Slava. Um, yeah. But, you know, one thing I mentioned, Kobe uh, started to, in the second quarter, in this quarter, he was really like running the offense more. Like mm-hmm. I, I felt like he was just kind of like going with the flow, looking for his spots within the office instead of being the ISO king. That came later in this quarter. That dude went on a tear around like, well, at the end, yeah. of like about a minute 45 left, he had scored eight straight points to the Lakers. He was just like all over. And this was, and when I say, and I, the reason why I jumped to a minute 45 left, because the Lakers only had 14 points in this quarter. So yeah. when you have eight of them, <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> you know, that's not a lot. Um, uh-huh. the, the Lakers had 14 points in this quarter and had 17 rebounds in this quarter. Yep. Uh, yeah, it, it, it was, was a bad, quarter. this was an ugly quarter. When I texted you um, about this rewatch and I was like, uh, the first half was tough. You're like, oh, the third quarter is even worse. <laughs> yes. Yeah, <it laughs> I was, was like, oh no. I was like, oh no. Yeah, there were. I had a couple memorable plays in the third quarter. Uh, you know, Kobe was heating up a little bit, mm-hmm. but a couple ones for the like I texted you earlier. A lot of my memorable plays are for the Blazers. Uh, Miles had an incredible dunk at about 150 over Brian Cook. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. D Miles, yeah, big dunk. That's what I wrote there. D- 147 he, left. D Miles, huge yeah. dunk. And then uh, shortly after that, Dan Dickow and Theo Ratliff ran a perfect pick and roll. Uh, for another dunk right over Brian Cook. So Cook was just getting posterized this game left and right. But, yeah. you know, as we talk about Ratliff, he was a freaking beast this game. Dude. Uh, the, I mean, the announcers were giving him love every two seconds, and it felt like they weren't even talking about him enough. Um, just he, he finished with five blocks. He probably altered 15 more. Man. Um, yeah, I he think- had some incredible blocks on Shaq, on Kobe, I think on Fisher. That they called a foul, but it was not a foul. I feel bad for Ratliff because it was a yeah. big play. <laughs> like yeah. I, I wish that like that was a guy Kobe. I would have loved to have Kobe have like in his prime, right? Mm-hmm. Just like a because Ratliff was like a vicious shot blocker, and he yeah. didn't care if he got dunked on either. Like, and it didn't happen that often. But he was like you could see how like athletic he was. Like yeah. that dude was ripped a eh, number one, and he was just like a freak of nature, dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
good timing as well. Like those things are hard to come by. Like you see a lot of guys in the league that are physically fit, but they don't have the timing. Like, you know, Brian Cook is just as tall as Theo Ratliff, but you know, mm-hmm. he's you know literally just like made of fudge and can only shoot threes. So yeah. like Theo Ratliff was like, uh, like little like the Anthony Joshua of like he's this huge menacing dude, um, and yeah, it's even though his career kind of went quickly as well after this because when you lose your athleticism, it's tough. But he was a monster, especially in this game. Um, yeah, but his, yeah, career, his career around this time was. I think he led the yeah. league in blocks this year too. I think they yeah they, on the they, broadcast. They, yeah they did, and uh, he had led the league in blocks a few times. This was one of them. But um, yeah, just for the younger audience to give you an idea of how good he was, besides leading the league in blocks, in 2001, he was traded straight up for Dikembe Mutombo between Atlanta and Philadelphia. Wow. So that's how much he was valued. Um, and then the tail end of his career, his last year, he was injured most of it. He was actually a Laker. Uh, so shout out to Theo Ratla for his like yeah. attention. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, that's why I mentioned in his prime, like prime, prime. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, so, hey, I'm a uh, Laker. Like, thanks. Uh-huh. Like, Mitch and, uh huh. Like, Right. He comes and, you know, even in the game winner of this, Theo Ratliff probably came within like a millimeter of blocking Kobe's game winner. He's hard charging, like as full on stretch, probably came within the fingernail of getting a hand on it. And so they, was, I, I think he, he held Kobe's hand after he missed that, you know, like they yeah, were like yeah. literally like finger lock. Um, uh-huh. And I wrote that down too. Uh, so yeah, the third quarter, I'm glad it was over uh, because the fourth quarter starts off much better. Kobe comes out and he's just like, okay. This is my time now. Um, uh, Eleven twenty-two, a stutter stop, Jay. That was just like super smooth. That I wrote. I was like, damn, this. It was just even in grainy old footage. Um, mm-hmm. Considering this is Graham calling grainy old footage, two thousand four. Um, but then he had a fadeaway, and he gave him twenty-three points uh, early on in the fourth quarter. And it, that was like when I when he saw that, I was like, damn. It didn't feel like he had twenty-three. You know, like it right. didn't feel like he had that because it was such a gross game. Like the right. shots all didn't, you know, feel smooth, but, uh, yeah, he was, he was crushing it. Um, man, I, I don't, I don't want to take over the entire fourth quarter. I'm sure you have some stuff as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just, um, just talking about the end of the third and early in the fourth quarter, even Steve snapper Jones says like when Kobe hits, I think a shot or two, right. At the beginning of the fourth, he says, the bad news is they've got Kobe awake now and he's intent on doing some damage on the scoreboard. So you, and you could just see it in Kobe's face. Um, you know, just his focus at the end of the third, early fourth, just that, you know, I, I, I don't know if maybe they knew at this point that the Kings had lost and there was a window, but um, everybody picked it up a notch, particularly Kobe. Um, in terms of other fourth quarter plays, we're going to jump down a little bit. At 550, another Slava shout out. He has an incredible dunk right over Ratliff. Oh, uh, man, it was, a, it was a nice dunk. I wrote that Slava slam. Yeah, yeah, he was a uh, he. Some I, I think Kobe passed in the ball. Maybe Zebo gambled and yes, exactly all of a sudden, right. yeah, um, Slava had a window to the bucket. Ratliff came over off a of shack, I believe, and challenged him. But Slava just two hand flushed it right on him. Um, so we'll put that on the Instagram just because Slava highlights are always fun. But this was actually like a. A highlight that would be great for anybody. So it's it oh, incredible. One hundred percent. I have two. I have two things before that as well. I have a tough shot by Derek Anderson. He was making tough shot after tough shot in this fourth yep. quarter, like contested jumpers too. Mm-hmm. Um, it was seven forty six. Kobe and Shaq ran a pick and roll, and then I wrote, "Why don't they do this every single time?" Like, yeah, like you know, like especially watching this game, like and you put it in this era, I'm like, you "Get out of the way, Kobe Shaq pick and roll every single time. Get out of the way until you stop it." Like. And I, I don't know if Shaq would want to do that every time, but like, it's a, literally the most unstoppable play in basketball with those two guys. Um, <laughs> and then I have Kobe after a really bad miss with a nice block from behind. Like, yes. so he was all over the place. Like his energy uh, changed. And I felt like, you know, with mm-hmm. this, with Phil, the Phil Jackson, Shaq, Kobe team, it was Kobe in the fourth quarter. It's all you. And I think Kobe knew that obviously, yeah. you know, like it's not a surprise to him. And he, so that's why like late third quarter, he's like, okay, I'm going to get my energy going now. And in the fourth, I'm just going to ride it. And we're going to, I'm going to carry this team. Um, especially, yeah. especially because Shaq was a kind of like, even though he looked thinner in this game, his energy was off. Like he just looked tired. Right. But uh, you're talking about that Kobe block. I think a lot of some Kobe's most memorable blocks 
come after his misses or if he's mm-hmm. turned it over oh, yeah. it's like he wants to get some revenge or to redeem himself in some way but yeah so he was on the wing doubled by zebo and ruben patterson um they i think zebo stole it from him blazers are on a three on two he kept it himself tried to score but kobe blocked it from behind and stole the ball back and i think um you know there's a famous not famous but uh a game, a preseason game in 2004, Lakers are playing the Sonics where Ray Allen strips Kobe at half court mm-hmm. and is going in for a dunk or a layup. And Kobe just like jumps at the same time he does, but he just jumps like two feet higher mm-hmm. and completely demolishes his shot. There was another one. Oh, um, I remember that one. I remember that one vividly yeah. because he like leaned over Ray Allen. He's like, nope. But yeah. Like yeah. Smacked, he like smacked that down. I don't want to curse uh-huh. so much, but no, uh, okay. you know, that was like, because Real, like they jumped and Real could jump and he like started fading and going back and Kobe's like, Nope. Uh, it was one of my favorite Kobe blocks. And Oh yeah. F you Real. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even though you're a good guy in the Kobe terms. Yeah. No, no, no. Hard. Another one that sticks out is a game I went to in the 2013 year versus uh, the Mavs. Um, that was the year the Mavericks had OJ Mayo. I think Kobe had passed it. And OJ Mayo got away with like kicking it, but the refs didn't call it. So the Mavs are on a fast break. Kobe's jogging back, but at the same time, he's like yelling at the refs of the whole time it was a kick, <laughs> but like still, it, but still ends up blocking it with his left hand. So he's running back, yelling at the refs, but still comes out of nowhere and blocks it. It's like just some of those memorable blocks are always after a, some kind of turnover or a miss where he wants to get it back. And he blocks his left hand a lot too, like the uh, oh yeah, the, the, I love Will, the Darren Williams block in Utah. That was just like a lefty right at the rim, like nah, fam, get that out of here. Yeah, uh, he's had some great blocks. Uh, so mm-hmm. uh, back to this game, I'm gonna move forward four minutes unless you have something else between the Slava dunk because then Da had another bucket with a minute left. Yeah, it was really just back and forth, right? And Anderson yeah. was is hitting. Um, and then Lakers are down three, just uh-huh. under a minute left, and Kobe misses both free throws. Yeah. And that was that, huge to me. And I was like, oh my God, like it's the crowd going nuts. Um, uh-huh. And you can see it was just like an, an inch off. They weren't bad bricks, you know, it's just uh-huh. it, it misses. And I was like, oh, um, I forgot. Yeah, about there's that. Like, I, I, yeah, I, I, like I said, I didn't see this game. So I didn't remember that from the play by play. But um, so he had been settling for a lot of jumpers, but to get to that line, to get to, get to the line that play, you know, he drove in, got sandwiched, I think, between Ratliff and Zach Randolph. And so it's like, okay, he's going to hit these cut to one and wonder what's going to happen after that. And I was so surprised he missed both. And then, you know, they're down three, less than a minute left, giving the ball back to Portland where they always lose. I'm going to not, you know, now like on the play-by-play sites, whether it's ESPN or NBA.com, they give that like Mm -hmm. probability of who's going to win. If that happened now, I'm going to guess Portland's is probably like at a 98.7. It would have to jump. Like I'm sure everybody's like betting on Portland, you know, like if this was like today, like, like, Mm -hmm. but, and then we flash forward to, I I think, I can't remember what happened because I'm not, I don't have the player play in front of me, but I know, I think Kobe missed a bad three and maybe it was in the corner. And then the late, the Portland ran a fast break. Ruben Patterson is fouled on a breakaway literally saving the game because if oh, he yeah, makes yeah. his dunk or layup or anything, it's over. It's over. It's, it's over. I mean, he gets fouled with 8.9 seconds left. Mm-hmm. Um, misses both free throws again. So yeah. that the Kobe stopper, uh, yeah. <laughs> the Patterson stopper miss. And no, he was not a good free throw shooter. Um, no, you can even just tell in his release. It's just like an awkward shot. With very, a hit very, very bad. So um, yeah. Portland's uh, still up three. And then, the last Lakers play was just as terrible. Um, just like, I don't know what this was, right? Kobe's trying to go one-on-one and he picks up his dribble at the top of the key and he's like pivoting, trying to make a way, leans right, and then just like kind of chucks it over Patterson and mm-hmm. he obviously hits the shot yeah. to tie the game. It with And he puts Kobe to 31 points at that point. There's 1.1 seconds left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, such an incredible shot. Uh, you'll never get sick of watching that one. Never, ever, I know. Ever. Uh, um, so a couple of things that stick out is how ridiculously wide open Slava was oh, on this play. Like I was like, uh, so Kobe's top of the key Slava's on the right wing. Like there's nobody within 10 feet of him. So not that Slava would ever shoot threes, but I mean, when you're blanketed like Kobe was by Patterson, you would think he would pass. And especially when you have somebody who's that freakishly wide open, doesn't even look at him. So that's something that's memorable. Oh, I, uh, I think Kobe had the blocker in that game. Like, especially, yeah. 
I think as he looked at the slop, he's like, you've shot enough today. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, and then on the replay, it's something that's so when they do that, like kind of zoomed up replay from the side on this shot where they don't even focus on the ball, strictly focused on Kobe. Um, it's just cool watching the press row reaction. You can see J.A. Adande on the bench, like when it goes in, he's like, oh, Kevin Ding, like from the Orange County Register is there. You can see him. Um, and then when the Lakers are walking to the back to the bench, Frank Hamlin comes out to meet Kobe with a fist bump. And you can say you can read his lips as you. Oh, mother yeah. Yeah. oh yeah, I love it. I love it. And yeah. I, told, I told my wife that and I was like, so these coaches were just as, um, you know, flamboyant with their language with Kobe, you know, because he uh, was just that dude was just a badass, you know. Um and yeah, that was what I was a great moment. I saw that Rambo was like, you mother. <laughs> yeah, right. it, it was yeah. great. It, it was a great moment. Um uh-huh. So let's yeah. uh, oh and one thing I wanted to add is Zebo switches a shot about like half a second after the buzzer. Crowd goes crazy, but and it was clear that he didn't make it uh, oh yeah, in time. Yeah, yeah. But it was a cool little like um, oh yeah, that was. Uh, I'm sure if you're a fan drinking at the bar, you're like, "Oh, we won, we won!" No, no. no. Yeah, um, right. So the first overtime was really um, it was Zach Randolph versus Shaquille O'Neal, right? Yep. That's what it was. Like the Lakers, and I, I, I love writing this down because Stu Lance drills in my brain. Usually, I think he always says, "If you score f- four points in overtime first, you're going to win." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the Lakers scored the first four points and then literally like the Blazers scored the next like six. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. And it was like, you know, so it Zebo had a really good few minutes. Um, mm-hmm. And it was pretty much Zebo and Shaquille went back and forth. Um, 30 seconds left, or I have 40, I have 48 and a half seconds left. Pulled it up by two after a few nice Zebo minutes. Then I have Kobe with a very nice dump off to Shaq and Shaq clearly missed a free throw. He was terrible in this game from the free throw line. One of eight. Um, yep. One of eight. Oh God. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I just want to say that the, the final possession for Portland was a terrible possession. It was awful. Um, and I don't know if you have any memorable plays in overtime, but I, it was it, not Kobe was just kind of chilling in overtime. He didn't really do much. Um, yeah. The first overtime. No, I didn't. Uh, I wrote down, you know, Shaq, uh, the announcers are really giving Slava a lot of love. Um, talking about how he kept his composure. Uh, the member, the last play for Portland. Yeah. It was a mess, but Shaq had a huge clutch block. Uh, right at the end of that first overtime. Um, I had some more memorable plays, at least, uh, or I guess more so some shout outs for the second overtime. Oh, yeah, before, before same, same here. Overtime. I do want to, yeah. I have one thing I wrote down um, that it was Zach was guarding Zebo, and then the Portland announced it was on the baseline, and Zebo went by him and, or tried to go by him, and the announcer was like, just go by him. It's easy. And it's like, Shaq was not that easy to go around, right? I yeah. think just because he's big and like Zebo tried to go around him and then he tried to um, put it up and Shaq with his humongous arm swatted it away from like two feet away. Like he was able, like Shaq was a humongous tube with great instincts and lo- very long, strong arms. Like it wasn't yeah. easy to get around. So like for the Blazers and after they, oh yeah, it's easy. Like this dude, like literally if Shaq tried every game, he'd be the MVP every single year of the season, uh, lead the league in scoring, blocks, rebounds. Like that's how gifted he was. I, mm-hmm. I think people forget that. Um, yeah. But yeah, go ahead. Take us to the second overtime. Yeah. Um, just we t- talked a little bit about it earlier, just Theo Ratliff, but he was everywhere this second overtime. He had an incredible block on Kobe when Kobe drove to the basket. Uh, he had another on Shaq. Um, just and even the ones he wasn't blocking, I think there was a couple shots in a row, probably going back to the fourth quarter and through the overtimes where Shaq was almost airballing anytime Ratliff was guarding him. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, I think Ratliff was in his head, just contesting every shot. Like I said, even the ones he wasn't blocking, he was altering them. He was just, um, he was living in everybody's heads this game. I just uh, was so impressed with Ratliff this game. Um, makes you just think like, man, if the Lakers had had him as a power forward or like a backup center at any time, um, it would have been much better than, you know, the Jelani McCoy days or, uh, you know, even Samaki Walker, whoever, yeah. yeah. You know, or like the, that, yeah. geez, that would have been such a, a game changer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, and Portland was like a, they were a, they were a long team, right? They had um, Darius Miles played solid defense on Kobe and with, with Outlaw and uh, some of the other guys they had. I mean, Outlaw, Outlaw barely played with Patterson. Uh, you know, they had length to bother Kobe. And that was one thing that always, um, Kobe always struggled with. I feel like any perimeter player struggles with it, right? It's just when you have length and guys that can switch, um, especially in a loud environment, and you're, you're going to struggle. And it's, 
and even especially, especially, especially when your teammates aren't all stars, you know, like they can hone in on Kobe, literally like the defense literally just like shifts to Kobe. Like he's a black hole, like all the gravity on the court kind of goes to him. And I'm not calling him a black hole in the negative aspect. It's more like black holes are dense and they, everything it gets sucked towards the middle of it. And defense is going, if you have Stanislav and Derek Fisher uh, on the court at the same time and no sweat against those guys. Deep Fisher is a champion, right? But you're going to going to be sucked towards Kobe. Um, and especially Portland, they didn't want Kobe to beat him in this game. You heard the announcers, everything, and anything but eight, anything but eight, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, at three minutes and 30 seconds left, Ratla blocked the crap out of Kobe. That was like Kobe tried to yeah. lay it out. Of He's like, smash it out of here. <laughs> um, and then with three minutes and seven seconds left, good old Shaquille O'Neal fouls out. Fouls out. Broken play. And then yeah. Brian Cook comes in. And then the Lakers collective fan base literally craps their pants. It's right. <laughs> <laughs> so like, oh my God, we're going to lose to Portland. We're going to play the four seed. You know, we're always like, oh, mm. what was us? Um, uh-huh. I think Kobe busts a wide open three. It was a good ball movement. Um, and this is another uh, potential rewatchable sequence. Uh, it was, I, a, I have this down as my rewatchable. Okay. Sequence. So it, it's right in there. It was a Kobe yeah. wide open three LA goes up three. And then Damon Stoudemire t- hits a three with a minute 25 left. And then mm-hmm. a nice Kobe Bryant dump off to cook for a dunk. So LA's up too. So this yeah. is a very short 30 second clip, but you know, it, it's boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Cook comes down with that dunk. Uh, Damon Stoudemire jumper. Kobe miss and then set up Stoudemire's uh, what looked like the game winner coast to coast. Takes it all the way. Nobody ever stopped the ball. He lays it with the left hand. And from the angle, I mean, obviously with the basket he was at right in front of the Lakers bench, you could just see like the air come out of the Lakers like on the bench. They're they're defeated. They're deflated. They think that I mean, there's two seconds left, but they think they're you know, the Portland curse is alive and well, and they're going to go down to the fourth seed. And there's, you know, two seconds left Lakers down two. No, dude, the little, little, the smallest guy in the court went coast to coast, you know, um, yep. in between Sasha, I mean, Sa- Sasha might as well be Sasha between yeah. Slava and cook. And it was just like easy lefty layup. And he's like uh-huh. keeping the arm up as he celebrates walking down the court. Um, yeah. and you know, he's thinking like, Hey, we just knocked off these dudes. Um, and, I, I think the Blazers had, I think they wrote down, like they had finished 500, in like five or six straight seasons. And so mm-hmm. they're like, Hey, we're going to finish above 500. Oh then, yeah. Yeah. And then Kobe being Bryant. Well, first there's like yeah. this, um, they aim down the ball. There's 2.2 seconds left when they, uh, when after this play. So then they run a play and then I think they, Derek Fisher gets fouled even though he literally shoots it, they ruled it on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> he shot yeah. It. it was like, no, 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 on the floor. Um, uh-huh. So they give it to him on the floor and then we honor the play. Gary Payton takes it out. Kobe has that. He cuts in, then he immediately cuts out and in one motion, catches it and shoots it um, oh, over, uh, I- over the outstretched arm of Theo Ratliff. Yeah. Uh, and, and you, and you're talking about contested. I mean, literally as soon as he released it, the Ratliff's arm, like literally interlocks his fingers. Like it was, like as high arc as I've ever seen Kobe shoot it. And it's a uh-huh. perfect, perfect swish. It's incredible just how close Ratliff gets. And that, I mean, Kobe had to shoot it like that to get it off. And so just, I mean, he turns around, there's one second left. So he catches the ball, turns around and knows that Ratliff's there. And just that he was like, okay, I got to put a little extra on this. Just that he had like the presence of mind to do that with one second left and to do it perfectly. It's just, um, I, I don't know where this ranks in my Kobe game winners, it, like personal favorites. It's got to be like top three. I oh, mean, yeah. just yeah, that it's on the road, that it's in Portland, degree of difficulty uh, to win the Pacific Division. It's yeah, it's got to be top three. I think it might be my favorite. I, I wish it had. I wish it was just in more HD, right? I wish the video was better. Um, yeah, and maybe that's just us being spoiled. Yeah, I just want to see it as clear as possible because this was such a miraculous play and a miraculous shot. And it, it truly was. Um, and, you know, this, they had no business winning this game. Like they had no, no business winning Absolutely this game. No business. Absolutely no business winning mm-hmm. it. And Kobe literally um, pulled this, speaking of hodgepodge, I can see the same thing about this Laker team. I mean, like, you know, mm-hmm. he pulled these group of guys uh, through this moment and it was you know, I, I would love to go back and have like the reactions 
like because Gary Payton's like points in it was like you um yeah I, I, even Shaq I want to know what Shaq, oh, bear hugging, yeah. Shaq I want to know what Shaq said to me if I were like you bad mother effer like it, uh-huh. it's just like and you know because at that moment they didn't hate each other there was no hate there was yeah, nothing moment, yeah. but joy and jubilance um because that was an impossible thing that we just witnessed and he just did um, yeah Incredible. And, I, and we talked about it too. And the Lakers were four and zero over time, went to five and zero. Blazers finished the season at five hundred. Where? Sorry. Um, yeah. The Portland curse continues for Portland. Um, uh, <laughs> and yeah, right. um, we we mentioned this. Portland announcers go quiet uh, for, and then the Lakers announcers literally go insane. Yeah, that that's so cool. We'll have to post like the difference reactions. I, I want, I'm going to do that for sure. I'll, I'll slice the video because it's it's a difference is. I mean, it's like night and day. I'm actually yeah. glad, I'm glad I watched the Blazers broadcast first because uh-huh. I literally I remember Paul Sunderland just like completely losing his mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Portland, like literally, they didn't say anything. They it's just no. Like, I maybe, counted. It was, you can go back and count. It's twenty seconds of silence. Seconds. They didn't say a thing. And, and then the first yeah. thing they said was like, "Oh yeah, it's good." Like they, oh, I think yeah, they were talking yeah. about the replay, and they just like hop uh-huh. back on like it was no big deal. Like you, can, uh-huh. <laughs> it's probably uh-huh. because it's. I think they had allowed the Blazers fans to yell at their TV for 20 seconds. Right? <laughs> if I was a Blazers fan, I would have been dropping every F bomb, every like, are you kidding me? I mean, like we can't yeah. catch it. It's, you know, I, I can't even imagine what it would be like to go against Kobe Bryant because I never have gone against Kobe Bryant. So mm-hmm. I'm sure it is a miserable feeling. Um, because, oh, absolutely. Because like, and- I know that if you're going against like, KD, it's just like I'm sure it's miserable, but it's not even close to what it felt like with the Kobe Bryant. I mean, you know, I said with the Kobe Bryant, how old am I? With Kobe. Yeah, yeah. with the Kobe. Um, just even coming back to Portland's reaction. So, I mean, we can't obviously we can't see what they re, uh, with the Steve Snapper Jones and what the other guy. I don't even know his name. What he what they did, but I just since they were silent, I just envisioned them like taking off their headsets and staring at disbelief. Because you know every local broadcast team is a homer. Um, oh. I actually thought they they weren't that bad. Like no, they did a good job, and even their trivia on their broadcast was about the Lakers. I was like, oh, oh like, yeah, yeah. Did, and that was Jerry West, like leading scorer at the time. Now it's Kobe, obviously, but yeah, they right. did a good job. Yeah. They were they were as um, unhomerish as you can be for a Blazers broadcast. I felt like. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Um, and when you go back and watch that last shot, I love watching Stoudemire. He catches the ball as it comes to the net and just hurls it like 50 feet in the air. He's like so pissed off. And then they cut to Ruben Patterson. He's got his hands on his hips. He's almost like half smiling. Yeah. I mean, he was like, he was a Laker. He was Kobe's teammate. He's just like, oh, this guy again. He did this to me in practice for a year every day. So um, <laughs> every day, every day. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, uh, it's a lot of fun. And then when you, like you say, you cut back and compare it to the Lakers reaction where, Paul Sunderland was a little kid on Christmas day when he's so giddy. And then, uh, Michael Thompson is, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a good memory to hear their reaction to this play, especially for such an incredible Kobe highlight. An amazing highlight. Um, and we'll definitely, definitely be on the videos that we share, but it was, it was quite, quite a memorable play. Um, and one of my favorites in, in Kobe history. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I want to give you a couple of most rewatchable sequences before we dive in. Uh, we, even though we kind of really mentioned it in the fourth, there was two that I wrote down because like I said, there weren't many. Um, and literally there was like two or three plays that happened and then there would be a stoppage play or a miss. Yeah. Or, so second quarter, Dan Dickow makes a three and then D fish makes a three. Then Derek Anderson makes a really nice layup at the rim. And then Kareem rush makes a shot. Mm-hmm. Dale Davis, shout out to Dale Davis. Yeah. Seeing him back then, um, uh-huh. that guy was talk about a guy who literally just would go in there and just beat the hell out of people. Oh um, yeah, and then Travis Outlaw uh, put back at the rim a nice slam dunk. So I, I was like, hey, that was kind of nice. Um, and that was about that was at the ten fifty two mark, and it ends the nine forty nine mark in the second quarter. So not too bad there. And then yeah. the other one I had was late in the fourth quarter. And let me, I'm actually on b-ball reference right now because I wrote down the times of there so I can just easily just go boom, boom, boom. So this is late in the fourth quarter with four minutes and two seconds left. Here it is. I believe so. It was a Gary Payton three. 
or four minutes yeah. and five seconds because he never makes that, it three. Yeah, even though there's uh, even though there's a twenty second timeout afterwards, but um, I'm still counting it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This game was so bad. I was like a twenty second timeout. That was actually. I think um, I think that three tied the game, or either it did. It was the first tie. Okay. It was the first tie oh, of the yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Peyton has been. He was awful all game. Um, yeah. And then Derek Anderson made a shot. Kobe makes a three. And yeah. then Ratliff had um even though Anderson misses another three off the rebound by his Randolph, and then Ratliff has a really nice putback slam. And then there was a Lakers full timeout. So like not really like super rewatchable, but I felt like I had to throw a Gary Payton three in there. If there's a a, a three 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 sequence, I'm gonna try and get it in there or a nice putback dunk. Yeah. Um, so I think those are not as rewatchable as the overtime one for sure, especially in overtime two that thirty second um clip where it was. I think you have it written down, right? Yeah, it was a Kobe three, Stoudemire, and then the Brian Cook um, dunk from Kobe. So anytime right. Brian Cook scores, we're going to include it here as a, as a rewatchable sequence. <laughs> yeah, okay. um, not so much so. Uh, the only re- what was turned out to be, or for me, most rewatchable we touched on was the you know sequence of events leading to Kobe's game winner. Uh, something else that's kind of funny, and I don't think, I, I was wondering about this, like if there would be any kind of, like outrage if an announcer said something like this in 2021 like 30 seconds into the game kobe uh took a spill over some of the blazers dancers and mm-hmm. fell on and they i can't remember if they if they lost the ball or what the turnover was or what, what happened where you're going with this. The, the blazers announcer said i can think of like worse places to land than in the pile of like cheerleaders or whatever he said yeah and i i, I laughed for a second then i was like you know if that happened today maybe nothing would happen, but I feel like somebody would complain that he's like objectifying female NBA dancers or 100%. something. Yeah. So it's 100%, just like 100%. I mean, that fool yeah. would be canceled in two seconds. Yeah. Uh, that's just the culture we live in today. Um, so, yeah. but yeah, it was a funny statement. Um, and I don't think they sit there anymore. I think they sit, I think the floors or I think the floors are spread out more. And number why are if why is anybody there? Like they should space this stuff out. I mean, these players need yeah. space. Like so, um, yeah, that was a, that was funny. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I did it was so casual, but that would never announcers would never, ever, ever in a million years say that today. Like there is to be no way, you know. I'm sure mm-hmm. in every pregame meeting, they're like all color commentators are like, just shut up and talk about basketball. We don't need anybody yeah, right. canceling us. <laughs> Uh, because everybody's <laughs> hypersensitive right now. You just need to be, you know, we need to be as a society, just careful what we say, but that I, that's a good point. Um, I did catch that and there's no way that that would be <laughs> that dude on to it. I think during the game, you would have been called out. And I think they probably would have had to apologize within like five minutes because of Twitter. Yeah. You know, yeah. like mm-hmm. um, I think I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast and I think I, I forgot what, I think the, some announcing crew was talking about the Celtics Oh, I think, and they said, uh, he's like a Larry Bird. And all the Celtics fans got super mad. And then they apologized and they are like, it's like, come on guys. Like people yeah. can be compared to other players. You don't have to cancel people. So yeah, um, right. so yeah but to your point, I don't think that would fly today. Um, yeah. How yeah, about, uh, do you have any shout out to other Lakers aside from Slava? Yeah. <laughs> oh, from never mind. Slava. Pass. Um, I think I wrote anyone down besides Slava, but let me think. Here, while, mm-hmm. while you think I have, I have Shaq just because yeah. I felt like he semi hustled for most of this game. He played 50 minutes and he shot 12 of 20 and he, you know, got yeah. a double double. I felt like he was there. Um, and he's just a big dude when I, he was probably so just frustrated with playing with Kobe at this point in the season, you know, because I'm sure he was open so many times where he just didn't get the rock. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I think he, he was, Phil did a decent job of motivating him. Um, you know, so yeah, yeah. Se- semi-motivating him, you know. But I-, I wanted to give a shout out to Shaq in this game. I think 50 minutes is a lot for um a big dude. Oh yeah. They had just played the night before versus Golden yeah. State. Yeah. Um, and also you're touching on like his frustrations with Kobe at this point. So everyone remembers this, but not a lot of people talk about it. It seems like um maybe because it's Kobe bashing and <laughs> people don't like to do that, even you know, before this past year. But he so two games before this, they had played the Kings in Sacramento, and that was a game where Kobe took one shot in the first half, and it was like a you had to shoot or the shot clock would be cause a turnover. And so there was a lot of uproar that he was intentionally not shooting so he could show the Lakers, here's what's going to happen if I don't exert myself. And so just and it it really did appear that way. I mean, even as like I love Kobe more than anybody, 
And um, I'll watch that game and say, okay, he was kind of sticking it to his teammates this game. And, um, you know, there was, if you ever read the Phil Jackson's book, the last season, it said like he wrote that the next day in practice, they were talking about it and Kobe like got in everybody's face and like demanding that they retract some quote about the game where they said like, I can't believe Kobe would do this to us or something like that. And um, so their tensions were obviously high and for Shaq at this point and for everybody. So the, they put it aside this game. You can see at the end of the, with their celebration, he gets a bear hug from Shaq for winning the game at the buzzer. But um, there's definitely a lot going on behind the scenes that uh, probably even diehard fans don't even know about, but that, that's one little piece. No, you're 100% right. Like this was a, um, like I had to explain to my wife, like why they hated each other. I'm like, I don't think we have enough time, you know, <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> we got to yeah. put the sun down soon. Um, uh-huh. it, it's just like, the the game itself uh it had no reflection of what was really happening like they this was the end like this was the end of the there was no way they were coming back from um this and it's not just that like with lakers management too right Shaq won new contract this was um you know fresh off of uh and you know we knew that he wasn't going to get the money that he wanted and that and the lakers are going to make a choice and i think we knew as a fan base who they were going to choose mm-hmm. clearly the owner knew who he was going to choose and it was the 25 year old superstar mm-hmm. um but like you mentioned kobe was not the mature man that he became um mm-hmm. as when he was 24 um he was still a very arrogant human being and he did not handle um the passing of the torch as well as he openly admits. Um, and that's why I really, really enjoy the Shaq and Kobe conversation, you know, because it, as I think it was on HBO or whenever they did it. It was, yeah. it, it was a very good conversation. And they openly admit like, man, we messed up something special, like both of us. Um, and, and they were too, they were foolish to, to not mend uh, what they had because clearly on the court, they were something special. And even despite hating each other, like literally hating each other, Mm-hmm. Uh, they were able to pull out wins and work together um so that's why i always say like if you don't like your coworker, I was like well you didn't hate them like shaq and kobe hated each other and they were still able to win um in a lot of games but it, it's it's crazy when you think about like the behind the scenes stuff what was happening here um mm-hmm. and how frustrated a lot of players were um and you can see it like in kobe's play like where he's gunning and where he's not like it was unfortunately the beginning of the end but or yeah. it was it was already like the end of the end i guess not even the beginning um, right <laughs> so uh do you have any trivia questions um i didn't prepare any this time did you i have three okay let's so go. um i should have i honestly forgot about that piece so yeah we'll to be honest um yeah. i already forgot um <laughs> one of the answers uh but um i wrote down how many co- points did kobe have the previous night oh I, I know this one. Oh, perfect yeah it was 45 yeah he, he was a monster yeah. and yeah yeah and the pre- it was pretty pretty crazy um and you can yeah. see where his legs are kind of out in this game uh-huh. so and i already asked who was um you know this answer who was kobe's game-winning shot over and theo yeah. if you already mentioned that earlier so we'll go um right to what shoes is kobe wearing i'm gonna ask this every episode okay well that's good to know because i i'm not sure that this one <laughs> i but speak okay tell me the answer then i have another shoes coming the harachi 2k4s um, oh, okay. and, and these were comfortable. Uh, these are yeah. some of the most comfortable shoes I ever uh, I've ever played in. Um, and Kobe, uh, this is right as Kobe Simon Nike. So these are like his unofficial first Nike shoes. And then mm-hmm. he had his um, the Kobe's uh, that came out after that. But yeah. these were comfortable, man. And they had they came in so many different and cool colorways. Oh, yeah. Um, so when Carl Malone was in this game in like the second quarter, shortly before he got hurt. Portland's announcers were commenting on his shoes and it was something that they would never wear. And uh, I guess they thought they were too hideous or what they never really zoom in on them or they did for like a, two seconds, but you couldn't really see that much. And so I was like, <laughs> I went to like Getty and was looking at like every photo from this game, trying to figure out like what is going on with Carmel and shoes. And he did have some really interesting ones. They were black and like gold striped mm-hmm. and they had like a prisoner of war logo on them. And I was looking I was looking into it like a lot of his shoes that season and they're all fairly hideous. So I don't know what was going on with Carl Malone this year where, uh, and they all had a similar like prisoner of war logo. So I want to dig into that, see what exactly that meant and why he was wearing them and how I completely forgot about this, but it seemed like a big 
big of a deal at the time. Uh, I, I do remember the broadcast, them talking about it, and it was, um, they were definitely ugly. They remind me of like the Converse Rodmans that came out back in the day, like, uh, but they were different, obviously, Laker colors or black and purple. Uh, they were, uh, yeah. yeah, not great, not my favorite. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. and I don't even know who makes it. Um, I don't want to look it up. So, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> do you know who makes it? I'm curious, actually, a little bit. Carl Ballone shoes, yeah. Oh no, I have to dig in. I, I think, just he, to I think he might have made them before the game, just like he just like stitched them up, put them on his feet. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll, cool. I'll, I'll get a I'll get a good photo of them and post them on. Oh the, yeah, they, I'm sure I was on Getty too, looking at some of the images. They have some of the great shots. Um, I think I have some um, non-Getty images that we can use uh, that were Kobe's like leaning to the right, and then the fadeaway or the shot over uh, Theo. So yeah, uh, we'll put those up on social media. Yeah, but I think it's going to do it for us um, uh, on this episode. Do you have anything you want to add um, about this about this game? No, just uh, you know, leave it to Kobe to put lipstick on a pig at the end of the game because this was an overall ugly game for the most part uh, until you know the fourth quarter and overtimes um, where everyone kind of picked it up a notch. So another memorable Kobe game. Uh, thank you, Brandon, and we look forward to episode three coming at you in March. Uh, absolutely. Um, very, very well said. I'm glad we we're able to watch this. Um, it's just, I'm, I'm glad we were able to watch a kind of like an ugly game where Kobe saved the day. It was like, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> very, very, um, very, like you said, lipstick on a pig. I can't reward it better myself. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, um, um, oh, before we leave, check us out on social media. Um, we're also on YouTube. So if you're just listening to the podcast, we're also on YouTube. I cut these up into segments and throw them up there for your viewing pleasure. We are um, also, um, well, you, you can listen to podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, Google Podcasts, Anchor is where we host it. You can also listen to it and you can leave us voice messages too on Anchor. So if you want to uh, talk about, hey, here, I know the trivia questions, you can leave us a voice message and we'll, we'll play it on the show. Um, if it's good, if it's not, we'll, just, we'll listen to it and laugh uh, in private. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Thank you very much, Jeff. This is always a pleasure talking to you about Kobe and we'll see you guys next episode. Cool. Thanks everyone.